Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 454 on Tuesday, the 8th of February, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan, and I'm all on my own, so I'm sorry it's going to be nothing but my wittering on tonight. Uh, Well, I mean, we should zip through stuff relatively quickly, but please don't expect the usual insight and discussion you're only going to get. Uh, you're only going to get my take on stuff, I'm afraid. Uh, anyway, this week we have a new EV for a Fisker under £35,000. A tiny little truck. And yes, Andrew's still positive. Uh, I was quite surprised when he said he was he was really positive uh, this morning. Uh, and then I realised he was talking about the result of his latest uh, lateral flow test. So he is alive. He is fine. He's just croaky and tired and generally run down. So hence he's he's not really up for this. Uh, but he did do the running order and he did do lots of the background stuff uh, for me tonight. So no, he's he's not totally cocked it. Um, he is he is just fine and hopefully we'll be back next week. I mean I've got my more fingers crossed than anyone that that's the case. Anyway, let's start off the week with a little bit of follow-up. And this one is saying that uh, private parking fines, now we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, private parking fines in the UK, that's England, Scotland and Wales. I I know that's silly of me to have to explain that, but quite often these things vary between England, England, Wales and Scotland, uh, will be capped at £50, down from about £100 currently. Although there will be will still be higher fines for more serious breaches. Uh, more serious breaches being things like parking in disabled bays, uh, for example. Uh, there's also caps on sort of bonus debt collection fees. Uh, parking firms are going to have to display the pricing and terms and conditions more clearly. They're going to have to give motorists a 10-minute grace period before they can issue a late fine Uh, and they will also need to introduce a five minute cooling off period in which a motorist can change their mind about parking so i assume that's uh entering a car park discovering there's no spaces and then uh clearing off somewhere else uh so yeah that's a that's a that's a good consumer move uh just there Uh, i think it's a good thing and uh yeah i think i think that some of the the sort of crazier crazier behaviors of private parking uh enforcement companies uh should be should be dialed right back so yes definitely a positive there to start off with uh moving into new news then uh last week the uh smmt registration figures for january 2022 uh came out uh, headline figures are that 115,087 new cars were registered um, in the first month of 2022. That's up 27.5% on January 2021, which obviously sounds like big numbers, but everything was still shut this time last year. So um, not quite so great. Uh, But yeah, there we go. It's still down significantly over 2020. Let's not kid ourselves in any way, shape or form. And there is still a major issue with supply chains uh, and and just can't build the cars and can't build the specs. As a result, when we get to the top 10 in a couple of moments, we'll uh, we'll zip through and we'll see that it's, uh, when we're looking at it, then some of the smaller cars and some of the uh, the, the lower profit vehicles are, uh, are, are not to be seen. But anyway, uh, numbers coming up uh so petrol up 14.6 percent diesel down 45 percent year on year 
Uh, mild hybrids up 37.1%. And battery, uh, um, bevs, fevs, and hevs is what I'm trying to say, are up 92.5%. That's uh, with a 30%, 32% market share there for your battery electric vehicles, mild hybrids, and hydroelectric vehicles. If we go to Tristan Young of Yes Auto and company car buyer i hope i've got that right i'm so sorry if i've got it wrong um and his breakdown by fuel you put in your car then uh battery electric vehicles alone actually made up 12 and a half percent smidgen over 12 and a half percent of the market share share plug-in hybrids are actually lower plug-in hybrids are at 7.86 uh, percent um petrol is king uh in the uk again now with 69 percent just almost almost 60 uh, almost 70 percent uh market share and diesel down to 10.2 percent um so that's splitting out the the kind of i always think of it as slightly fake uh mild hybrids uh mild hybrid numbers in there um top tens uh well then we start at number 10 with the toyota Corolla, so you can put your glasses all down, down with 1,767 registrations. I mean, that's number 10, a very low number there uh, for, for the top 10s at any time. Uh, nine, Volkswagen Turok. Uh, eighth, the Ford Focus uh, with 1,822, so barely ahead of the pu- uh, ahead of the Corolla there. A seventh was Vauxhall Mocha. Sixth was the Hyundai Tucson. Once again, I'm starting to see the new Tucson everywhere. It's a, it's a car I'm a huge fan of. Um, but again, still 2,236 units registered. Uh, fifth is Vauxhall Corsa. Fourth is the Mini. Uh, again, small car, but higher margins there than the many. In fact, I think that's the... Well, no, Corsa's probably counts as slightly smaller than the Mini. Um, third is the Kia Nero with 2,372 registrations. Second is the Ford Puma with 2,608 registrations. And number one, the most registered vehicle in the U- new vehicle in January 2022 was the Kia Sportage, which is... Um, Yes, a little bit of a surprise there. So 3,458 units. I wonder if that was clearing out all the certain amount was clearing out stock uh, just there. Because the new Sportage, of course, has just been uh, was just released to the to the UK media just last week. What week is it? Oh, yes. Yes. Last week. The end of last week. I've completely lost track. It's only Tuesday today. You should know this. Uh, So, yes. Uh, well done to Kia there. And well done to Kia as well when we turn to the spreadsheet of doom, which is mostly green with a couple of notable exceptions. Um, well done to Kia. The highest market share in the UK in, in January there. So so well done. Uh, that's uh, that's no small no small feat at all. So excellent stuff. Uh, yes, 9.13% of the UK market. If you're wondering where people who are traditionally very high, Ford... Uh, we're down to 6.48% uh, of the market. Pretty much everyone is is up to a greater or lesser extent. Uh, uh, MG up a mere 159%, uh, but some considerable changes, to, uh, uh, some considerable increases against last 
last year depending on your brand and and how well you were able to uh, to sell and to register and to distribute uh, vehicles online so we're seeing big big bumps up for um, the likes of Cupra Dacia DS Fiat uh, much lower bumps for for the likes of of Lexus for the likes of Kia uh, in there notable exceptions to the upward trend Jaguar and Land Rover are the only two uh, brands with a drop of more than the 15 percent threshold that we normally do to to include to include uh to include manufacturers as 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 red or green um jaguar down 27.9 percent land rover down 22.8 percent uh others that didn't quite make the downward threshold or the only other one really that didn't make the downward threshold is uh is ford um mercedes-benz nissan polestar and seat are, are the only ones in the in the, the sort of dropping uh dropping club this this year against last yeah, highest increase, Fiat, 222%. Apart from Alpine, which was 500%. Anyway, stop wobbling about numbers, Al. Nobody's interested. Let's move on. Uh, so, yes, talking about Jaguar, uh, despite what I've just said about, uh, you know, 20-odd percent uh, drop in uh, in UK registrations, uh, JLR uh, in the third quarter up until December 2021 reported a 22% uptake in revenue. Um, it's saying that there's an improvement in wholesale volumes and component supply over the second quarter. But again, uh, the profitability is still being restricted by the semiconductor shortage. Um, large numbers, decent cash flow. Supposedly, uh, according to a tweet by Richard Orcock of Motoring Research, um, they're they have 155,000 back-ordered vehicles, including 30,000 of those for the new Range Rover. Um, remember, starting price for the new Range Rover, £95,000 here in the UK. So, um, yes, once they start getting semiconductors, then that's going to have a sort of knock-on effect, uh, one would think, potentially on profitability just there. Something which right at the minute doesn't look like it's going to have a massive uh, positive effect on profitability, uh, certainly in the short to medium term, is Jaguar detailing that it's going to that that it's going to have a new platform called Panthera. That's um, yes, good naming there, uh, and this is going to be EV only. So it's been touted by some as being a, a their first. EV only platform, which kind of makes makes me go. I I pace everyone, but maybe I'm wrong on that, and I look forward to somebody correcting me and telling me what else uh, uses uh, the I pace platform and what platform the I pace uh, the I pace uses, uh, of course. So this is because this is partly because um, uh, JLR have decided that the that their vehicles, the Jaguar platform, is going to be is going to have different proportions uh from other vehicles and this is this is because um chief designer uh mr mcgovern uh is uh, i'm going to quote this autocar article for this one so uh 
quoting, as I say, straight from Autocar, the JLR decision to go it alone on the Jaguar platform rather than save money on development by buying in a platform is likely to be related to JLR's chief designer Jerry McGovern's requirement that the cars should look unique as the, bra- as the company takes the brand more towards Bentley territory in terms of pricing. Now, I have a slight problem with that. Great. More towards Bentley territory? I get it. But... If people want a Bentley and they're being they're able to to afford and they're they're looking at vehicles in that kind of area, are they not going to look at the Bentley? And surely it's much easier for Bentley to look at it and go, mm, okay, we can let's make this one a little bit cheaper, um, and and start and start taking some of those the, those Jaguar sales than it is for Jaguar to go, oh well, we're going to be far more expensive and we're going to we're going to be right up there and we're going to be going to be like a Bentley. I'm not sure that that works. I think it's very, very difficult to take vehicle brands up market uh, in that way over the kind of timescale that I think JLR is going to need. Um, it's not like Skoda where you've got 15, 20 years and you can move from the Felicia to to the, the, the latest the latest generation Octavia or to, or to the Enyaq, uh, for example. Um, they're going to need to do it more quickly than that. They've got investors who need paid back more quickly than that. I'm I, I, this worries me. It worries me so much. Um, but hey, w- what can I do about it? Uh, if you can think of things things that I've missed, reasons why, reasons that I've 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 obviously overlooked, then do please get in touch and let me know. Um, I'd I'd love to be more enlightened on, on on that one. I'm not really sure that the best way to go about that. So, if if you've got feelings on that then then do do chip in that's the whole idea of it chip in on on, on twitter uh, or via any of the other ways that we'll talk about at the end of the show one of the other big topics uh, over the last week has been uk road pricing now there's been a hum for a while it started to intensify a few weeks ago i think andrew and i talked about it three to four weeks ago um, and it's about GPS based, basically pay for your use of of the road. Because uh, here in the UK, the government stands to lose an awful lot of tax revenue uh, by people moving to electric cars and people not having to buy to not having to to buy petrol and diesel, which is very heavily taxed here in the UK. Very little, very little profit in petrol and diesel in the UK. Uh, lots, uh, most of it is taken taken by the government essentially the vast majority of what we pay at the pump uh goes goes straight into the treasury uh so they're going to need to make up for that they're going to have to somehow somehow fill that that gap in their in their coffers um and gps based road pricing uh has has really started being talked about over the last over the last four to five weeks uh according to now most people are saying well it could come there's an article from evo magazine uh, which is saying that it could, well, they're saying that the proposal for road pricing could be laid out in two years. I think that saying that the road pricing could be here by 2024 is a little bit ambitious, um, given that people aren't really sure what the, the parameters are going to be. Um, they've not really explained uh, how they're going to get around some of the potential uh, privacy challenges there are what the devices are, are going to be, what the sort of an idea of the idea of, of what's going to cost, how much and, and when, uh, given that one of the, the aims of this kind of thing is to, to obviously reduce congestion 
by making peak time potentially not certain by potentially making peak time uh, pricing much much higher um in especially if you're in cities and towns uh and then keeping maybe if you do lots of miles in the countryside uh keeping you know that's going to be uh, off peak times then that's going to be much much cheaper again traveling at night cheaper than traveling during the day all of these kind of things it's so much to be asked answered in this um including even the device how are you going to be tracked are you just going to have your phone be charged you know use that as your gps because you've got to remember to activate it every time you get in the car um what if you don't have a mobile phone what if you don't have a modern mobile phone uh, what if it's a gps device fitted to the car then how do you know who's driving who pays is it the owner of the car is it the person who's driving is you know there are a lot of questions to answer uh when it comes to when it comes to this kind of scheme again this is going to be um there are going to be consultations uh the the i mean i mean look uh, the the got on many many aspects of this i think two years is way too quick it's a government it project nothing decent's going to come out in two years i can promise you that um so so yes let's just take a look this is just getting the the hum around this is getting louder and louder and and right at the minute the challenge is you don't know if it's a distraction technique here in the uk uh, or if it's something else or if it is is actually a real policy so um fingers crossed keep an eye on it the one thing i will say about road pricing is it is the most it is actually the fairest way of doing this now naturally many of us will end up paying much more um Although, when I think of the amount of tax I pay for three cars every year, I can only drive one at a time. You know, actually, would I be, would I actually end up better off uh, under this? Well, it depends whether or not, um, whether or not the fuel duty uh, stays at the level it is right now. Lots of things to think about on that. I've talked about it possibly a little bit too much. Uh, So let's shift on. Uh, Moving back to batteries it seems to have been another recent theme is it's great actually because it's making stuff in the uk if there's one thing i really like it's about people who are making stuff uh so this time uh battery manufacturer british vault we seem to mention them every other week here on the podcast they've announced that they're partnering with a company with a mining firm called glencore that you've probably heard of they are looking to create a joint venture um between between british vault and and glencore and it's going to be it's going to be a new battery recycling plant aimed to have it on stream by mid 2023 and it's going to be at north fleet in kent uh, which um at a place called the britannia refined metals uh, facility it's the site of what was once the country the country's largest coal-fired power station according to jack warwick in 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 autocar business uh aim is to have facility powered 100 percent by renewable energy and it'll process minimum of 10,000 tons of lithium ion batteries uh per year again this is that urban mining that i think one of that one of their their competitors um a term one of their competitors coined uh, relatively recently it's great to see these things again renault refactory we've talked about before as well um it's really good to see these kind of schemes these kind of factories being planned coming online and being um 
and certainly being being within the UK, let alone within Europe, because it means that the the second generations of batteries and 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 the outcomes of these significantly fewer sea miles, um, just generally better for the environment, and of course saving the fact that that otherwise ten thousand tons of lithium just lithium battery getting getting chucked going to landfill and just generally not being good for the world uh so brilliant that this kind of thing uh is coming is coming online and is is planned uh so that should be good and that should also you know there's there's been some other muttering it's not one of the stories actually for uh for this week but there's been some other muttering about uh replacement battery packs especially from the example i saw was from a a plug-in hybrid um of a vehicle that's likely to have been a company car uh for its first owner uh, and the battery was just just ruined and, and needed replaced admittedly it was a six eight year old car um this is the kind of thing that brings the prices of those re- of recycling those batteries down so um you know the you you do the battery that comes out despite the fact that at that moment in time it can't necessarily be used and be used in your car it has inherent value battery that and that can be traded against the battery uh, a replacement a new uh, a revitalized battery that goes back in again uh, and brings the, the cost of that kind of replacement right down obviously in the future when people are actually using vehicles with with plugs properly uh, then we can hope that there's going to be less and less of that but i think some of these first generation um plug-in hybrid owners are going to get a little bit a little bit stung um uh, particularly if they bought them used uh, and they weren't the, the, the first owner um it's like all these things you don't know how things are going to be treated earlier in their life so it's something to just be careful of uh, if you're buying an elderly plug-in hybrid um yes one of the more executive models of, of plug-in hybrid anyway next up uh story from yes auto Uh, saying that the Treasury is being urged to stop the unfair VAT policy on public electric car charging. Um, This one I'm filing under, yeah, right, as if. uh, Because, because frankly, um, they're not going to give up any any potential tax that they can get uh, right at the minute. The reason behind this, by the way, is that if you charge, charge an EV at home, the VAT on your domestic electricity is 5%. If you use an on-street charger, now be it rapid charger, uh, just just a charger, <laughs> um, one of the lower kilowatts, um, or, or right the way up to, to uh, uh, Ionity and the, the brands that can, that can pump out 150 to 200 kilowatts, then you're paying 20% uh, VAT. Uh, and... So, yeah, so the Treasury has been urged to stop making electric vehicle drivers who cannot charge at home pay four times more tax for electricity from public charge points. I actually bet that the opposite will happen. What will happen is that the Treasury will go, oh, hang on a minute here. That these these new smart chargers that we've made everyone put in, which can be monitored remotely. Um, yes, the electricity that's going through those as opposed to into your house, we're going to charge that at 20 percent as well. That's it. There we go, twenty percent on that, five uh, percent still for your um, for your for your home, for home domestic electricity. But yeah, twenty percent on the stuff you're using for 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 charging your car. That is way more likely than a fifteen percent cut in VAT. So yeah, 
good luck everyone um good luck it's being led by led or at least fronted by by automotive journalist and former top gear presenter quentin wilson um who of course has formed this kind of thing uh, he's one of the founders of the fair fuel uk uh, some time ago so uh, as he's dropped away from there because of because of their opinions uh, he seems to have, have found himself a new campaign to campaign for jolly good uh more in alternative fuel news uh this time it is uh bp actually uh so bp of course already own one of the the largest uh ev charging networks here in the uk they uh recently bought a company called gasrec or at least um bought a stake in a company called gasrec who create um bio liquefied natural gas and biocompressed natural gas so those are uh, the it's like the equivalent of liquid petroleum of lpg uh but actually but you more suitable for use with a diesel engine so used by commercial vehicles uh, some commercial vehicles uh, generally in a fleet setup uh, it's not something you can charge up with uh, on the road here in the uk really i'm sure someone will tell me there's an exception to that but generally it's a fleet thing you you charge when you're at um you charge when you're, you're at your hub, your distribution center. Um, charge, refill, even. You don't charge. Too much EV talk, I think. Uh, anyway, they have also acquired 30% of a company called uh, called Green Biofuels. Sorry, I was just double-checking that was their name and not their description. Uh, and they are the UK's largest producer of hydrogenated vegetable oil. Yes, this this is probably why you can't get vegetable oil on the shelves in tesco right at the minute um so hydrogenated vegetable oil is one of the is is one of the substances that could be used to replace diesel now i've i used to hear lots about biodiesel and of course the the amount of chatter about it has, has dropped down so you know how, how you can take vegetable oil you can um you can you can you can do some stuff with it I think it's adding some ethanol and some other stuff. That's the hydrogenation, and then what you get at the end, you can run a vehicle on. Uh, that's what that's what green biofuels are doing. Uh, it seems on an industrial scale, so it can be, it's man-made. It's it's it can all be done uh, local to the end market. So again, it doesn't need to be shipped from the Middle East. Um, and basically, when you're building a new crop of oil building a new crop what a mouth am i saying when you're growing the next crop uh, that you're going to turn into to to into to vegetable oil and and ultimately hydrogenate then uh, then you're absorbing co2 as well so there's a whole cycle uh, going on just there so generally better for the environment i'm sure people will argue against that and will can tell me about particulates but it can run in existing uh and many existing uh modern diesel engines as well so um so yes lots of lots of things which make this a, a good alternative uh synthetic fuel before i dig myself any more of a hole right now um so yes biofuels again on their on their way under development i think is probably a fairer way of fairer way of stating it uh so we can uh so this is be bp uh branching out and sort of covering some of those bases as well again 
another interesting development. I think it's good that the oil companies are looking uh, are looking to diversify in in this kind of way. Um, e-scooter news. We haven't talked about e-scooters very much lately. Uh, this one we're just gonna gonna zip across quite quickly. Um, the this is one of these the governments are talking about potentially doing something about, and this time, as I say, e-scooters. So the government will consider creating an entirely new category of vehicle for e-scooters with its own rules and regulations. Um, if they are made fully, well, in order for them to be made fully legal on public roads. As people may well be aware, certainly the regular listeners will be aware, uh, here in the UK there's a number of trials of rental e-scooters uh, around the country. It's something like 50, I think. Um, no, 31 trials across 54 regions, 66,000 uh, e-scooters are on the roads. Uh, supposedly around 13 million trips have been taken, covering about 18.5 million miles. Uh, so, uh, big numbers, big numbers there. Um, but those scooters are regulated. They have a maximum speed. They have a maximum power. Uh, they have to be tracked. The people who are who are running the trials have to have checked that you have a full or a provisional driving license um and you know you're not allowed to use e-scooters on pavements and, and these kind of things so and they also have a sort of minimum set of safety standards that's different obviously from the ones that you can't legally go out and buy and you can legally own you just can't legally use on the public road they're purely for use uh purely for use on your own private land which unless you're duke of westminster or someone um then you're not really going to be using that for commuting uh very much so yeah government looking at doing something about it the the trials by the way have ex been extended to november this year uh hopefully sometime around then um the, the uk government may have made some kind of decisions about what they're going to do uh in the future um and and how they're going to make e-scooters uh more available to i, I think more people A uh, couple more stories before we get to guilt minute. Uh, moving from, I don't know, moving from one end of the spectrum to the other, from an e-scooter to a Rolls-Royce. Uh, Rolls-Royce have unveiled a new, uh, a new, a slightly tweaked Spirit of Ecstasy. Um, Spirit of Ecstasy is 111 years old. And one of the reasons for, for, for her refinement um is to make her more aerodynamic on the new rolls-royce uh, spectre at the same time rolls-royce is saying that actually this is bringing her closer to the original um close to the original uh sketches made by 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 a designer uh charles sykes uh obviously 111 years ago um and yes that gives her a lower more dynamic uh more dynamic uh stance um they're putting a lot of they've put a lot of lot of work into this it's kind of cool that rather than just uh rather than just turning the spirit of ecstasy into some kind of abstract uh object then actually for each of these um each of these they have uh they've actually put quite a lot of effort into making her more realistic to an extent as well as more aerodynamic more realistic uh and have have you know 
uh, have consulted with with stylists on hair, clothes, posture, expression to actually to, to, to as part of this as part of this refinement. Very cool, just as beautiful as ever. Really, a fantastic little sculpture there, and every single one supposedly will will continue to be un- slightly unique uh, because they're made by lost wax casting. Last story before guilt minute, Volvo. Uh, Volvo are going to be offering free tire and windscreen repairs to all Volvo drivers. Uh, yes, they hope to be able to 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 help fix common driving problems uh, on any Volvo any Volvo car of of any of of any age. Um, yes, punctured tires, chip windscreens. If they can fix them, it's a frost it's it's free for all volvo cars no matter how old they are so you could turn up in a volvo amazon uh and um and and if the dealership can then they can they can add a patch you in a tube or something uh on there so that's that's pretty cool um yes and if they can't fix it for free by the way they'll they'll tell you how much it will cost to to actually to actually repair it so if it's if it's not you know if the tire is irreparable uh then they they will give you a cost on on a new tire obviously and i i guess the idea is it's a great way of getting people back into into dealerships and um and uh, and and having a look at Volvo's latest models good plan nice one that it's a, it's a nice it's a nice two-way exchange that one i think anyway that story brings us up to a guilt minute which is about part way uh probably about halfway yeah a little bit past halfway i think tonight uh through this week's uh, motoring podcast uh and yes got a minute quick break in the show we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running if you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month then you can become a patron different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you including being able to watch the show recorded live not only that you also in some of the tiers get discounts on our fantastic but sorry on our small but fantastic say it that way around now small but fantastic range of merchandise available from our website and teespring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts like the one i'm wearing tonight but not even the people on the video stream can see because uh because the logo is is out of camera shot well done alan nicely planned uh, if you don't have any spare cash, and we do completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released. Am I liking and rating show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you? If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. One of these days, I will actually get around to rating that, but uh, it requires a surprising amount of creativity. Uh, and and just yes normally i only remember uh about two minutes before guilt minute so uh, one of these days the creativity will strike some other time and i will sit down and rewrite it all uh no not well no motorsport that's particularly relevant to us uh at the weekend there uh just quickly before we move into new new car news though it's worth saying that the festival of speed 2022 uh will celebrate the masterminds of motorsport uh so all the clever people who do clever stuff make cars go very very quick very very quickly um brilliant that should be good uh worth mentioning uh on here that if you the festival speed it says in this yes auto article festival speed qualifies for the government's creative industry tax relief event 
initiative, which gives a reduced rate of tax of 12.5%. Uh, it does so until the 31st of March. So if you are interested in buying tickets for the Goodwood Festival of Speed, try to do it before March the 31st. After that, that will go up and so will the prices and it will return to 20% of VAT. Anyway, uh, new new car news this week. As I said in the intro, uh, yes, uh, a new EV for just under £35,000. The Fisker Ocean has been announced. So this is, uh, I'm not really, you know what? I can't really tell you what size of SUV this is because there's um, the press photos here in this Top Gear story uh, don't actually show any people or things for context i think it's possibly around range rover evoke size let's just say that um, with very large wheels uh, range rover evoke size it's uh the thirty four thousand nine hundred and ninety pound price tag uh is for the base spec 275 brake horsepower ocean sport with about 250 miles of range uh there's an extreme version at the other end uh, it's twin motor, so I imagine the Ocean Sports two-wheel drive, twin motor with four-wheel drive, 550 brake horsepower, 350 mile plus extreme version at the other end. Um, but that in the US will cost around $69,000. So I'd expect it around that many pounds, maybe a little bit more. Maybe around seventy-five grand, possibly. Uh, Ocean, built in Austria by Magnus Steer. And uh, yes, they're aiming, they've got a sales target for 60,000 cars a year in Europe alone. They are a new startup EV brand. I mean, there's lots of names. Obviously, Fisker, Henrik Fisker has, has eventually worked his way to buy back his name uh, so he can use it again. So Henrik Fisker as on the Fisker Karma um, and uh, one of the stylus for the original Tesla Model S. Before that, he was Aston Martin. Uh, so he's been around a little while uh, before Aston Martin. Was it BMW? Possibly. I could be wrong. I think it was BMW. Uh, and so, yes, he's been around a while. Magnus Steer, obviously well-known uh, sort of tier one supplier and outsource manufacturer of cars. So... Uh, Let's see. It'll be interesting. There's there's obviously no no uh, uh, there's no infrastructure there to support Fisker uh, just yet. Uh, so so it'd be interesting to see just how that goes. Again, would I put my money down on one? Probably not. No, just a little bit too unknown. Another SUV available on these shores isn't really meant to be on these shores. Uh, so the new Ford Bronco. Uh, is being imported by uh, the Clive Sutton uh, dealership. Uh, Clive Sutton is a specialist in importing uh, importing cars from the US. Uh, often unusual, particularly powerful cars. So, sort of Mustangs that Ford don't sell here, that kind of thing. Uh, but no, they've, this time they've they've looked at the Bronco, and a couple have have reached this country, which makes sense because I saw one very similar to the one that's in the photos here uh, on the road a couple of weeks ago. So, um, so yes, I, I that does actually explain it. Um, prices start from forty five thousand pounds, rising to about eighty five thousand pounds, depending on what spec and what options uh, you choose. Uh, in the US, the model starts at twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars. But obviously, there's import 
duty shipping, VAT, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, base models have a seven-speed manual transmission with an integrated crawler gear um, and a 2.3-litre EcoBoost petrol engine putting out 266 brake and 310 pound-feet. Um, there's also a 2.7-litre EcoBoost turbo petrol, which gives 306 brake horsepower and 400 pound-feet. You can also get it with a 10-speed uh, automatic uh, gearbox. Uh, both the ones in the pictures here have the soft tops, which is in the uk but maybe that's what you want um but there you go there's a, a sort of alternative uh suv to the to the jeep wrangler uh i guess i know i like the wrangler i'd quite like to try one of these um obviously by the way left hand drive only because it is the bronco is only really meant to be sold in in uh, in north america yeah that'll be interesting good one brave choice if you're gonna buy one Brave, brave choice. You could have a real affinity for it, I think, before you'll go down that go down that road. List of the week this week uh, is from Haggerty, uh, as so many of them are these days. They they really do have the the market cornered on awesome lists of the week, uh, and it's cabin fever. Twelve wild interiors from a dozen decades of the car, um, and it's it's actually from October last year, to be honest. But it's still a cracking list. I've no idea why we haven't used it sooner. Um, yes, 12 awesome car interiors. Uh, everything from tassels and tapestry and ruching to, uh, right the way up to the, to, to, to fantastic, uh, modernist interiors, uh, in brilliant colors. Um, or just minimal art deco. A really cool car, a really cool interiors. One from each, each of those decades, uh, obviously. Can you ask me for my favourite? I'm going to choose the 1990s option, which is the McLaren F1 with its three seats. It's um, it's turned Bubinga wound uh, gear knob, uh, and and of course that central driving position. Fantastic. Uh, that's that that's the one for me. But do have a uh, there's another couple I would choose, but do have a look through the list uh, and choose your choose your own favourite. Uh, let us know what you think uh what you think of some of those because they are pretty darn cool and finally this week is uh yes if the if the clive sutton ford bronco seems a little bit on the steep side for you then uh then tamia uh have released details of 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 their range for 2022 and one of the highlights in that is a tiny little three-door short wheelbase Ford Bronco uh, with its uh, with its uh, uh, oh it's got a fancy name the roof rack I've lost it a mega roof rack there you go uh, the twelve spoke wheel up the twelve spoke wheel upgrade uh, and um, yeah Bronco branded spare wheel covers and stuff it looks really really cute it looks fantastic. Um, it's going to be four-wheel drive. It, it, it's it's going to be just a, a really cool, cute way. So if you like the looks of the Bronco, there is a much, much, or there will be by the end of the year, a much, much cheaper way to get your hands on one. Not the only thing we should talk about from ju just there, because as well as that, Tamiya have, are releasing another couple of cool models. The other highlight for me, though, is the six-wheel Tyrrell P34 F1 car. So that, that you know, the Tyrrell F1 car with the four front wheels, 
Uh, and I was going to say two rear wheels, which is a bit flipping obvious if it's got six wheels, isn't it? But uh, but yes, so that's that's going to be available later in the year too if you'd rather more on tarmac or on carpet um, radio control action uh, than than going than going uh, rock clambering in a tiny, with your tiny little Bronco. That's pretty much me for this week. Uh, parish notes. Uh, no, haven't been any special editions for a couple of weeks because um, they've been recorded. They just haven't been edited because somebody's been so far under the weather. Uh, Zoom Zoomers was last night. Uh, last night being Monday night. Uh, that should be out. There were a few of us. Uh, really interesting discussions about living and working where we do, uh, and why we live and work where we do, um, as well as 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 a whole bunch of of excellent red green questions uh, and that kind of stuff uh do look out for that it should be hitting your youtubes before very long i, I do hope it is uh because it was it was a thoroughly I- enjoyable hour and 20 minutes last night so thanks everyone as always who's involved with with that and those of you who watch it and enjoy it that's really it for me this week i shall go and sit downstairs and croak and actually drink some of this beer which is sitting beside me here um, so don't forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities remember you can support us financially via Patreon and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing best way to get in touch with Andrew send him a get well card perhaps find out where you can send the the, the, the Lucasade uh, and the Punnet of Grapes to um is to use twitter and search for cracked windscreen uh, and then he he shall appear in all his smiling wonderfulness uh to get in touch with me it's best to use twitter where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-a-d-l-e-y as i said we'll both be back very soon but until then i've been alan bradley and safe motoring